About 2,400 years ago, Socrates retold an ancient legend about the invention of writing to his associate, Phaedrus. And rather than praise writing as a tool for learning, Socrates does the opposite, recounting what the king told the inventor. You have not discovered a potion for remembering, but for reminding. You provide your students with the appearance of wisdom, but not its reality. Your invention will enable them to hear many things without being properly taught. And they will imagine that they have come to know much, while for the most part they will know nothing. And they will be difficult to get along with, since they will merely appear to be wise instead of really being so. That's right. As Socrates tells it, self-appointed experts are as old as writing. Imagine how he would react if he knew how things had gone since then. There are words blasting at us from every direction. Instead of a few scrolls, we have television, radio, social media, podcasts, weblogs, internet websites. And for those of us over a certain age, and I include myself in this, newspapers and books made from real paper. Socrates could not have imagined just how word-saturated our world has become. Isaiah probably could not have imagined it either. But what Isaiah knew was the power of words, the power we give them to create or destroy, to build up or break down. We give words the power to shape reality itself. And this isn't new. The exiles had to contend with an alternate reality from the one they had known. They were no longer the dominant culture or faith group. And on the cusp of their return, many of them had bought into an alternate reality. After all, things had gotten pretty comfortable in Babylon. Why return to Judah? Why take on the hardship of rebuilding? But return was always the people's destiny. It was integral to their calling as God's people. So the prophet lays down a challenge. Stop investing into a culture that does not fulfill. Stop wasting themselves on this alternate reality, the alternate reality of Babylon. Remember that God's loyalty and love to David, King David, who has been dead by the time of this writing for 450 years, God's love and loyalty is extended to the whole community of faith. And most of all, remember that God's word never returns to God empty. God's word always fulfills its purpose. That's true even in our world, where words constantly bombard us, where realities are constantly being constructed for us. God's word is never in vain, but always fulfills its purpose, bringing order from chaos and life from death. Indeed, God's word has been creative from the beginning. Unlike the Babylonian gods, God does not create through violence or through cosmic war, but through speaking. God speaks, and creation emerges. Life emerges at God's command. Human beings are made in God's image, simply with a word. The whole creation is constructed by words. God's word fashioned a nation people. 
God's first love, Israel, is created with words spoken at Sinai. And when they mess up, when they are unfaithful, God continues to send prophets armed with the word to bring them back. Even after disaster strikes, God doesn't abandon God's people, but continues to send them the word through prophets to effect restoration and healing. The same is true for us. And in a little town of Judea, God's word comes in an unthought-of way in human flesh. But more on that next week. For now, God's word is what holds true in a world filled with half-truths, propaganda, and lies. God's word continues to bring us life in the one who reconciles us to God, who frees us not just from our bondage to sin, but from our bondage to alternate reality. God's word triumphs over the chaos of our age and every age. And God's word makes us whole again. Let's pray. Lord God, your word holds true in a world of of deception. Even when all we can see is chaos, help us to trust that your word will accomplish its creative, restoring purpose. Through your incarnate word, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.